I know, I know. You're all very angry right now. Just dropped their third in a row out of the playoff spot. I'm fed up with a lot of things right now, but still have to turn out some content for you all. We're going to recap this painful game against the Islanders, a 4-2 loss for the Penguins. The best we can. I have Phil from Islanders Twitter here to join me for this episode. It's all coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LOMSR Penguins. Thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. You can visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Joining me now for uh, today's episode, I have a very special guest. He has not joined the podcast before, but I figured, you know, they first played the Islanders twice in, what, three, four days at this point. Figured I would have Phil from the Islanders Twitter on at Phil's Facts on Twitter. Phil, um, thank you so much for joining me. You know, I really appreciate it. And I'm glad I'm able to have another first time guest for the show. Thank you for bringing me on. Excited to be here. Yeah. You know, we've been, you know, I feel like we've been going back and forth about, you know, pens and the Islanders for probably the last couple of years. I think that's when, you know, we followed each other during this series, which was, you know, basically a carbon copy. I think these last two games were a carbon copy of how that series went. Yeah. Penguins jump out on them early. Um, they're getting some goals on Sorokin, but Sorokin is playing well at the same time. He played like God in this game on Monday night, but some, some shady defensive play, some not good goaltending from the Penguins leads to another Islanders win. And nope, this Islanders have had their number two of the last three years. And I think last year, I think at least it was at least a split or the Penguins maybe won three out of four. I haven't, uh, I haven't double checked that, but I know they beat them at least a couple times, but you know, for me, it's just these two games over these last couple of days that the Penguins have dropped, even though they've had leads late in those games. Um, it just feels, again, it just feels like exactly what happened in 2021, except both teams are not nearly as good right now. Agreed. Yeah. I, I mean, with Sorokin, the odd thing is I think tonight was like the 11th or 12th time that more than 40 shots have been put on him. And his record in those games is something like eight, two and three. Um, so he just seems like the kind of goaltender where he gets stronger as the game goes on. And when he sees more pucks, he becomes more and more locked in. To me, this was at least through the first 40 minutes outside of the misplay by, I can't remember who it was. Was it O'Connor at the uh, at the blue line? The, that led the, to the uh, first breakaway? one. Yeah, the first one was Drew O'Connor. I've swatted at the puck. Should not have done that. Puck. I think if he right. doesn't do that, he gets back. Outside of that, I mean, they played a pretty buttoned up tight game. Mm. I thought their power play was fine. Their PP1 wasn't great. The PP2 was really good, though. They generated chances. If not for a miraculous Romanov swat at the puck on the goal line, it would have been 2 nothing. and I don't think the Islanders, with the depleted roster that they were playing tonight, I don't think they would have had it in them to come back from a two-goal deficit like they did the other night when they had Barzal putting on a show in the third period. But this was one of those lopsided Islanders-Penguins games that we've grown accustomed to over the past couple of years where the Islanders get elite-level goaltending by Ilya Sorokin, and then they have enough guys up front, like Nelson 
And this year it wasn't Josh Bailey because he's out. Or this game it wasn't <laughs> Bailey because he's out and it wasn't Barzell because he's out. But now we have Bo Horvat, and he's a guy that could put the puck in the net too and create a little bit of offense. Yeah, no, Bo, Bo Horvat has been awesome, obviously, since joining the Islanders. But, yeah, I, mean, I think you, you said it best. I thought the Penguins, they were playing mostly fine defensively through the first two periods. They they gave up you know a few odd man rushes during that time. I think one of them, they gave up a breakaway right after they got the 2-1 lead, which Freeze. is – They've they've been doing this all year, it feels like. And I don't know why their brains just shut off for some reason. Um, I don't get it, but Sorokin, I mean, he's stupid good. It really is crazy that things are going to have to be going up against him and Igor Shosturkin for many years to come. That's not going to be a fun duo um, up in New York. But, you know, his save on Latang was probably one of the best saves I think I've seen made at PPG Paints Arena in history that the the arena has been there since 2010-2011. Um, they score their fill three, one games. Maybe, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's over because the Penguins blew the two goal lead on long Island, um, late in the second period, um, on Friday night. But I think it would have been pretty hard for the Islanders to climb out of that for sure. But, you know, that's just been a common theme for the Penguins this season. They haven't gotten as good of goaltending as, you know, maybe they should, and the other team is, and that's been a big issue. That's been a big difference. The team's defending, I think, has also been really piss poor for a lot of times this season where, you know, their brains just, they shut off a lot of automated rushes against. You saw that with the first Nelson goal. You know, you saw the bad defensive play, the honors legal. Well, also, it helps that Tristan Jari kind of gave the puck away, a la Josh Bailey in game five. But, you know, the defensive play down at the net front, was also not good there. And for the second goal, P.O. Joseph has an attorney to get the puck out. Ops for a really kind of like a high-risk play along the boards. Islander player jumps up. Horvat comes in. Bad goal from Jari. It's just those issues this year have been brutal for this team, especially the last five week, five to six weeks. And that's costing them precious points in the, stand, in the standings despite having all these games in hand. And again, those don't mean anything if you don't win them. And that's why, you know, it's even though the math is still good, you know, for even for me right now, I, I see them, it's over 50% that I see them missing the playoffs, which I don't think I've ever said in the Sid Gino era. You have them at over 50% of missing the playoffs? Yeah. It's, I've never, I, I'm that concerned with how just the bottom half of the roster is performing. I'll say this. I won't be surprised if they get in because the core can turn it on anytime. They've been carrying them all year. And if Tristan Jari can bounce back from this and stay healthy, you know, I won't be surprised. But, you know, they're just throwing these points away. And if the GM really doesn't do much about it at the deadline, um, it's just it's hard for me to see them getting in, to be honest. And, again, I've, that's, and I'm usually a very, very positive person when it comes to this team. I see so many negative reactionary takes. But, you know, it's just I feel like I've just been seeing this movie too many times before where it's like, okay, I'm not really sure if they're going to make the playoffs this season. The way I was looking at it, up until the Barzell injury, which they're saying week to week, the fourth period put out a tweet yeah. where he said that he thinks it could be up to eight weeks is what he's hearing, but it doesn't require surgery. And you never know with, with Peñota as to how accurate he is. But I was looking at it as you got the Penguins, who to me up until this weekend were the most firmly in place in a playoff position. Yeah. And now they lost three in a row in regulation. The, the Panthers, I mean, I just I just don't see how a team that has given up the second and most goals in the East to Columbus and probably, I mean, they came inches away from losing to the Ducks today, 
know, it took two comebacks against the Ducks mm -hmm. at home to win. I don't see how the Panthers get in. You look at uh, the Senators, and they've been streaking lately, but I just think they're going to run out of steam at some point. There's Detroit, but they've got a brutal schedule down the stretch, as does Buffalo, right? Buffalo has all these games in hand, but they, they're about to go through a gauntlet. They've got, you know, this week alone, they've got Toronto. They've got uh, Tampa. They've got Florida. I mean, they've they have them and Detroit have the two hardest schedules of all these contending teams. To me, I thought it was going to come down to the Islanders, the Capitals, and the Penguins. Um, but with the Barzal injury, I, I think I think the Penguins are in pretty good shape. You know, I, I you know I, I appreciate that optimism. That's for sure. I just you know. It's just tough when I, I see the same mistakes being repeated and, and the goaltending continues to be spotty. And it's just like, you know, even with those games in hand, are you still going to be good enough to where you can get in? And it, it, and it would be total Penguins for them to get in and everyone's writing them off and then they win at least a round. And it's like, that's the this is the kind of team that wins a round. It would, you know, and I would be glad to be proven wrong. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, it's just something just seems very off and you know it's not going to get any easier when they have the oilers coming up on thursday a team that's been struggling but you know you know we all know how good they are but um that wraps up this first segment coming up in the second segment um i'm going to get into what phil's main turning point for this game was because the penguins looked like they were really in control of this one before um you know about almost midway through the third period where it all went to crap. We're going to get into that plus so much more from this one. But before we touch on that, our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I start taking athletic greens because, you know, I didn't have time in the morning. I wanted better gut health, more energy, all that stuff. So you're probably wondering what is all this with one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're resorting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, and probiotics to help you start your day, right? This special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging, all of those things. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It also costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit and it has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day and that's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Games is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. We're back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes. That, of course, is Phil from Islanders Twitter. So, you know, a lot of twists and turns in this one. Um, obviously, Phil, you know, the big scrum in the second period, which led to a lot of penalties looked like. Um, just a, you know, old fashioned barn, barn fight, you know, back from the eighties and stuff, you know, kind of reminding me a little bit of the way, a little bit of the Trevor Gillies crap that we all saw. Um, that meme was floating around tonight, 12 years ago. Yeah. I will you know that one was floating around tonight. Fight yes. Night. Um, I will never have a good thing to say about Trevor Gillies, but I know <laughs> I obviously will. Um, but you know, what do you think was the main turning point? Yeah, I don't because think the Penguins they had this one bottled up. It seemed like for a while Tristan Jari was playing well in his return. What do you think was the turning point? Yeah, I don't think it was the fighting. Although anytime you could trade 14 minutes of Ross Johnson for Jason Zucker, I'm going to take that deal a hundred times. I don't even think Ross Johnson played five minutes total tonight. 
we had a couple guys who didn't get much ice time. To me, I thought Jari was locked in. There were a couple really good saves that he had, even though the Pens were dominating the first 40 minutes. There were still a couple of opportunities. Martin flung one toward the net that hit a penguin skate uh, that Jari was just in a very good position to make a save on. Uh, there was the Zach Prize breakaway where he hit him blocker side. Palmieri on the power play had a really good opportunity there. So he was looking good. But I just think for a goaltender who's been out for as long as he has, when he took that rising shot on the penalty kill, right, it was a shorthanded opportunity by Horvath right to the neck. Yep. Even with that protective view there, that really that rattled him. He was down for a bit. He had that mark there. He was holding his neck and clutching. And I just wondered at that point, is this the type of situation where we – have a goalie who's been out for a while and goalies are creatures of habit and they get into routine and they get on streaks and maybe we could start throwing pucks at the net on this guy and he'll start doubting himself a little bit just because he's shaken up a bit. And that's what happened, right? Horvat really not a great angle on that shot, but it managed to go in. And then a couple minutes later, just a really poor play behind the net, managing the puck. And I thought he was doing a good job playing the puck and making good decisions all night. So to me, the turning point in the game really was that Horvat shot directly to his neck. I think that changed a lot. Yeah, I mean, I would, you know, I honestly kind of agree with you there. You know, the fighting thing, you know, forget it. You know, Jason's like, I know he's trying to get the crowd fired up and stuff. That's probably the most emotion I've seen the Penguins show in five, six weeks. I think I was getting a text from Josh Yeo and he put it out on Twitter after that. Uh, he covers the team for the Athletic and he was telling me how Brian Burke was just slamming the table, just – up, up in the press box just because that's just who he is. But no, like that shot definitely stung him. I was hoping beyond hope that it was not going to be another injury because he has had brutal luck this season. But, you know, after that, didn't seem comfortable. That Horvat goal was just such a such a bad one to allow. Honestly, I didn't really like any of the three goals that he allowed tonight, to be honest. Um, he made some t- he made some good saves, and I, and I know it was his first game back in a month, so I, I get that aspect. But still, some of those – the goals that he allowed, I think, are the ones that you probably would want to have back. So I didn't mind I didn't, a Nelson goal. Go I mean, Nelson, Nelson's been a high-end goal scorer for yeah. quite a while now. He's got a ridiculous wrist shot. The only thing I'll say is if you're defending Nelson on a two-and-one, I mean, there's enough film out there on Nelson to know that he is not a passer. I think he's one of those exceptions, and I think you could throw – he's not in the Ovechkin tier, but there are certain players where you need to cheat a little bit more over toward the shot with a player like Nelson as a defenseman. Uh, when he's coming in on a two-on-one um, because the odds of him shooting and scoring there are way higher than him getting that pass over to Paul Mary for anything dangerous. And I think maybe Jari also was thinking pass there and he flinched ever so slightly, which allowed it to go in. But I, I had no problem from a pen, Penguins perspective with that goal. The other two though, I mean, that's just, those are just breakdowns. And I've been telling you for a while now, I think that regardless of how well Jari has played the, the Penguins need a serious number two goalie to be available to them for the playoffs for two reasons. Number one, because of injuries, which we saw last year. And number two, if he goes cold, you need someone else who you can rely on, right? And the Islanders aren't going to sell right now, and they're not going to sell within the division, so you're not going to get Varlamov. But if there are (laughs) options out there for you to get a good number two goalie uh, to ride with, in an emergency type situation, think about what Thomas Vokun did for them against the Islanders in 2013, maybe, mm-hmm. and how he spelled Mark Andre Fleury when he was falling apart in that series, and it was two to two. That's the type of thing that I think they need. Yeah, it's it's 
kind of slowly starting to creep up my list of deadline needs for this general manager who um, I don't think there's a way you can bring him back next year at all right now, but that's a strop topic for another day. But, you know, that's my, my biggest issue though, is I don't really know how many goalies are available right now. James Reimer, he makes sense. I don't know if the centers are trading Cam Talbot. I don't know if they're going to trade Cam Talbot. I think he's rumored to be out there. Other than that, I don't really know many other goalies who are out there, which is, that's just my big concern about it. Um, I do agree. I, I would like to have a better number two back there. You know, Casey DeSmith has started too many games this season. He's been good in some, not been so good in others. He's, again, I, I say this reference a lot on my show, Jack on Hyde. And then, you know, with Jari, he's been very good for most of the season, came into this game with a 921 save percentage. But, you know, they, at times, you, you got to make a save. And that Horvat, Horvat one, you make that save there, which is usually routine. Who knows what happens for the rest of that game? I also think, Phil, the Penguins power play, it's, it's the, the second unit is better than the first one right now. The first unit is just out to lunch every time. And I think that was another turning point in this game as well. They've had, they have countless opportunities to make this a, you know, multiple goal lead against the Islanders. And the first unit is just not getting any chances in the offensive zone. Sure, Sorokin is coming up with some saves, but you know, the first unit is also just not executing simple passes in the zone. The drop pass when they come into the zone and the neutral in the neutral zone, excuse me, it's just horrendous. They continue to be awful in terms of gaining the offensive zone. And once they do, it's just one and done. It feels like the, the other teams know what's coming. And again, I think that was another big turning point in this game for me. The PK was good for the Penguins in this one. I don't think the Islanders power play is any good, but time and time again, when the power play has had chances to really try and put teams away this season just hasn't worked out that way. I um, mean, it's, it's very frustrating. Yeah. And, and you're talking about a penalty kill without Pajot, without yeah. Clutterbuck. Bailey's not a great penalty killer, but he's one of the regulars. I mean, we, we were throwing Matt Martin out there on the penalty kill. And I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw Martin killing penalties. Cause he's, he's frankly too slow to do that. So, you know, penalty, penalty, I was thinking about like power plays. They're such, there's such a wild card and enigma, almost like goaltending year to year. You see teams that have like stacked units, like the Penguins. I mean, they've got all world talent on that top unit. You look at the Rangers, who were ranked, I think, second in the league last year, and they're pretty much middle of the pack right now with the same exact personnel. The Islanders were 12th last year and with pretty much the same exact guys, and now they even have Horvat. It's been better with Horvat. Mm-hmm. Now that Barzal's out, don't talk to me about it because they just can't gain the zone without him. And they were like, rank 30th coming into this game. I, you know, that's one of those things that I just don't understand how you can have really elite high-end talented players like Crosby, Gensel, Malkin, Latang on a power play unit like that against a depleted team and have nothing dangerous. And then the second unit comes on with Jeff Carter and friends, and they're just generating high danger chances all over the place. And they're the ones that get the goal. It's bizarre. It's funny. You know, they're, they're keeping it simple. I think that's the best way for me to describe the second unit. You know, they're gaining the zone. Jeff Peach is getting the puck at the point. He's bombing it. And Jason Zucker and his pretty captain and company, they're crashing the net. You saw that for Zucker's goal where he was able to beat Sorokin, kind of got a little bit of a fortunate bounce, I would say. But, you know, he's he's been one of their best wingers all season. I would probably say he has been their most consistent winger this season, which is weird to say because Jake Gensel's obviously been awesome and Ricard Raquel. But without Zucker, I don't even know where this team would be right now and that unit they're keeping it simple the first unit they're doing anything but that overpassing 
not being able to game the zone. It's cost them, I think, a lot of games this season. And, you know, right now they're in like a two for 20 stretch coming, you know, over these last, you know, handful of games coming out of the All-Star break. Not good enough um, at all. But <clears throat> I think that's going to wrap up the second segment. Coming up to end the show, I think we're going to get into just, I think, the outlook for these teams for the rest of the season. You know, just, you know, what, what this loss means for the Penguins, obviously what this means for the Islanders. And, you know, can the Penguins battle back out of this really rough patch that they've dig themselves into because they had a chance to really bury the Islanders in these last couple of games. And, you know, they may have just buried themselves a little bit in a way, but before we get to that, as I have my wonderful FanDuel promo right here, the midway point of the NBA season is here and now it's the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sports book because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars it's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win just download the FanDuel sportsbook app it's safe secure and super easy to use then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay so don't miss a chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA and locked on so we're back in this episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes. That is Phil from Islanders Twitter. So, Phil, we knew this stretch was going to be big for both teams. The Islanders were coming in reeling. They lost, They got two out of six points against Senators, the Canadians, and the Canucks. I believe that is correct um, from what I had on my show last week. And you're thinking, oh, they're playing bad. The Penguins, they're jumping all over them on Friday. They lead four too late in the second period. A stupid decision by Mike Sullivan to throw the Jeff Carter outline out there. Gets the Islanders right back in it. They then win 5-4. Tonight, you know, you're playing well. You're really out shooting them. Sorokin's standing on his head. But same mistakes happen, and you end up losing this one. You know, do these wins change your outlook for the rest of the season for the Islanders? Do you think they can really um, make a push here for that final playoff spot despite not having Matt Barzell for the foreseeable future? Because, you know, they didn't win with him tonight, but I don't know how much often they're going to win with him down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, and that's the real question. They've got a pretty tough stretch coming up here. They've got Winnipeg on Wednesday night. They got LA on Friday night, which is a team they really struggle against because they struggle with these teams that are mm-hmm. young and have speed and you know skate circles around them. Then they've got Minnesota and Winnipeg again. I'm not sure if that's the order uh, leading up to the deadline. And um, I mean. The worst case scenario would be a situation where they do enough for Lou to decide that he wants to mortgage more of their future for this particular team. And then they end up missing the playoffs. That would be a disaster. And that's a distinct possibility. And you never know what Lou's going to do, but I think they've got a really tough path here. I think that um, aside from the Barzell injury, I think an injury that's been enormous for them has been Pajo. They have no shutdown line right now. They used the Pajo Parise pair plus Holmstrom or Palmieri or whomever's been the third wheel on that line, very effectively effectively against teams' top lines, right? You don't want to be matching Horvat or Nelson up with the Crosby line because more often they're not, not, they are going to get run over. And we saw that in both of these games. So they're missing some key pieces. They've got guys in the lineup who frankly shouldn't be on NHL rosters. But what it will come down to is they've got, an all-world goalie who's playing out of his mind for most of the season in Sorokin and can steal you games like he has tonight. Yeah, And they have just enough talent in their top six 
where they can score some goals like you saw tonight, which is what's going to make things interesting, right? It's been a who wants these two spots, who who doesn't want these two spots the least is what it's looked like. Last year you had eight teams that were just on blistering 100-point paces, and it was put away by Thanksgiving. And this year I, you know, I plugged it in tonight. The line right now for the seventh spot is the Penguins. They're they're only pacing 92 points. I mean, you're going to have a – there's a real chance that you have two sub-95-point teams making the playoffs in the East this year, which is fascinating, and a real 180 from what the East looked like last yeah. year. Yeah, that's – I mean, it's it's crazy how it's a complete 180. <laughs> I mean, and you're right, though. I mean, people were saying – I mean, Tortoise said last year, oh, the Islanders, they have so many games in hand. I mean, it was over. You know, by you know, Thanksgiving, yeah. Christmas, Jan- New Year's, you could maybe you could argue, but um, this year is anything but that. And you know, for me, it's it's time for this GM to make some changes. I'm sorry, you know, you can only say so many times, oh, I like my team on paper, blah 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 blah. You know, you have ten days until the trade deadline. I, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear the salary cap is an excuse. I am sorry. The Toronto Maple Leafs just found a way to acquire Ryan O'Reilly and they are paying their core players. What's the numbers? 65% of their salary cap is going to them. It's probably a little bit more. I, I don't want to hear the salary cap is a concern. The Penguins are paying Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, Kenny Malkin, Chris Tang, $28 million for this season. If you want to add Jason Zucker and Ricard Raquel, they are made, they, they, those players, a combined 39 million. And yet, they still have salary cap problems. But again, I don't want to hear that as an excuse. Do you Good have a favorite trade target? What did you say? Do you have a fr- favorite trade target for them to go after? No, I, I had it as O'Reilly. I, I think he made a lot of sense, but you know the Leafs paid a, low, a hefty price to do that. Right now, I mean, I like Adam Henrique from the Ducks. Oh, he, you, you know, he, makes, he makes a lot of sense. Um, good center. I know he's a little bit older, but he can score, play well defensively. Max Domi from the Blackhawks makes sense. You know, he's kind of a, a punk to play against, I think, at times. He can also put the puck in the back of the net. Um, in terms of centers, those are probably, you know, two of my top ones right now. But, you know, I also think they need a, a third-line winger because Brock Begin has now gone 22 straight games without a point, not a goal. He had that nice heater to start the season, but he has been brutal the last six to seven weeks because very captain. He is also nowhere to be found. They really just need to remake that entire third line. Um and I just don't think they have the assets to do it, but you know, it's, it's time for him to make some changes here. You know, they're probably not going to sell. I know people want them to, but that's just not going to be there in their MO. Um, but until that deadline hits, so they got to start banking some points here. They got the Oilers coming up on Thursday. They go to St. Louis after that. Um, I think they come home after that. If I want to double check here, come home after they play the blues, they play Tampa Bay next Sunday. That's a back to back. Then they go to Nashville, Tampa Bay, Florida, and then they come home and play a lot more Metro games, Columbus, the Islanders again, Flyers, Rangers. This schedule is going to get really nasty here for the Penguins. So it's all about them, I guess, finding that consistency, somehow redoing that third line and you know, just changing some things up. You, the definition of insanity, as Alan Walsh tweeted the other night, Phil, is doing the same thing again and expecting <laughs> results. I don't think he's going to tweet that to Mike Sullivan or the Penguins Twitter account, but I think his tweet applies here. <laughs> right. The veiled shot at, at Sutter right there. I'll say this. I think that <laughs> I think getting the eighth seed is probably going to be a waste of time. 
for anyone who gets it. Boston just looks like a fully operational Death Star. You never want to rule it out, though, because we did see that Columbus-Tampa upset, and it could happen. You never know. I think the Canes are more vulnerable than people think. I think if you look back at how the Rangers beat them last year, they were not able to do much of anything on the power play because they don't have any elite goal-scoring talent there. Couldn't win on the road either. (laughs) Couldn't win on the road. They couldn't win on the road. Their power play wasn't great couldn't put anyone away or in particular the Rangers and this year their goaltending has been bad at times really bad and I've I've lived in Toronto long enough to have seen enough Freddie Anderson game sevens to know that you just cannot trust that guy I think the Canes should get a goaltender now this is subject to change if they get Timo Meyer. if they get Timo Meyer, I take all this back I think he'd be a beautiful fit there and he solves a lot of the problems that they thought Pacioretty was going to solve for them up until his second Achilles tear. But I think they're a team that could potentially be a vulnerable two seed. Yeah, I mean, they still haven't truly proven anything yet. They did have that run to the conference final, I believe that was 2019. Where they got swept by Boston. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was funny. I remember that. Islanders sweep the Penguins. Kane sweep the, the uh, Islanders. Kane get swept by the Bruins. I, I always remember it for that. But, you know, since then... Lost in the first round, you know. Then you you lose again. You know, the first second round, then you lose again. Second round last year, so they really haven't proven you know anything yet. But it's just the Penguins. They haven't matched up well against them this season. But I will also say, part of me thinks all four of those games were 50-50s. one goal games. Two of them went to overtime. Um, you know, the Penguins you know, definitely could have split the season series with them. But, you know, that's part of the reason why they've lost nine straight games against Metropolitan Division teams, which is something that has never happened in the Mike Sullivan era. You're usually one of the best teams in the division against other divisional opponents. But, you know, something's got to give here. Um, Got to get better goaltending. Defensive play has to be cleaned up. Top power play unit has to be better. And it's time for this GM to finally make a stand and show that he is different from his ways in Philadelphia. Because right now, I don't see a way you bring back any of this front office next season. It's probably best to clean house once the season is up. That's that's how I'm feeling right now. But you know, if you if you have anything else you want to add about this game or in general, Phil, um, I'll, I'll leave the floor to you here. Anything you stand out about this game or in general? All I'll say is I hope that the Pens keep losing because that would benefit my team from Long Island. Well, <laughs> you know, wish I think I you know I wish. I and a lot of the listeners here could share that sentiment, but no, uh, I don't think that's going to be. I do want to say this though. I had the pens winning the Metro this year, right? And a lot of people called me crazy. I like their off season moves. I like the idea to get Petrie. I thought they needed, you know, a little bit of what he brings from a leadership standpoint and the way he just blasted from the blue line. Like we saw tonight. I like that pickup. Um, To me, this is surprising. I, I, I did not expect them to be fighting for a wild card spot in this kind of dog race, I thought they would have had a number of, you know, I thought they'd have it put away by now. So I was bullish on the moves that this GM made in the summer. Uh, you know, people said he was crazy for bringing back with Tang and bringing back Malkin, but I mean, what was the alternative? The alternative, I mean, you were going to just going to like strip it down. You may as well, you know, just, you already have Crosby here. You've got Gensel, you, you recommitted to, to rust and then Raquel. I thought they had some nice pieces here. Yeah, you know, I, unfortunate I don't for them that Jeff Carter, who, who, by the way, when he was acquired at the trade deadline, he was a fantastic piece. It's just his hands and his legs have gone rather quickly, which happens when you reach the age that he is. He hasn't aged as gracefully as Zach Parise, 
or Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> I'm not going to put Parise with Bergeron, but he has not he, he always, aged as gracefully as as the Bergerons or Pavelskis or mm-hmm. Krejci's. Zach Parise, totally. You, yes, you said me the other day, Penguin Killer, just like Josh Bailey and now Brock Nelson. Oh, man, he was a beauty tonight. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was very, very good, and he's, he's been great against the Penguins his whole career. But, yeah, I mean, Jeff Carter, first half of last season was great, and then it just all fell apart. He gave him the extension, li- li- quite literally, gave him the extension, and then it just all fell apart. And, you know I mean? There was a time where I thought the Penguins could win the Metro this season. They were running through the league after they had that losing streak. They were great in the latter parts of November. December, they're playing great. And then all of a sudden after that, the inconsistencies returned. Some of the injuries happened. And it's just been a seesaw for this team since. And, you know, I understand some people like some of the moves. I didn't mind the Petrie one. I thought he was going to be a lot better than he has been so far. Hasn't really lived up to it. Um, Due to cap problems, they couldn't even have Ty Smith on the team, even though he, I think he played better than P.O.J. Camp, though. I think P.O.J. has been pretty decent this season. But then, you know, when you give all that money to Carter and you still have McGinn on your payroll and you bring back Kasperi Kapan at $3.2 million, which is also ridiculous, this is what you get. And it's a flawed roster. And the top six has to do everything every night, as well as Crystal Tang. And this is what you have so far. And the GM is now searching for answers while saying that he likes his team on paper, which is, again, hilarious. But... Um, that, I think that'll do it for this episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. Really appreciate you coming on, Phil. Um, just where can everyone find you on social media if they want to read your wonderful Islanders takes and just takes around the NHL? Just Phil's facts. That's Phil's with a Z facts. Yeah, go on follow Twitter. him there. He's a lot. He's, you know, in terms of Islanders followers, probably one of my favorite ones, probably the best one out there. Oh, thank um, you. I will say. And I'll have another episode coming for this podcast um, tomorrow, which is, of course, Tuesday. A lot to discuss when it comes to this team. You know, we'll see if they can dig themselves out of the hole right now because, as I see it, you know, maybe people are more bullish than me with their playoff chances. You know, I'm just starting to get that vibe that they may not get in, which is just really unfortunate. But that's how I see it, at least. I'll probably – I'll eat crow if I'm wrong, of course. But thank you all so much for listening, and I'll be back with you all on Tuesday.